They want to give a gospel that grows and challenges and, and heals and brings to life. And that's, that's what a good shepherd does. He, he wants power in the pews. And in a good congregation, they want power in the pulpit. A good congregation wants that pulpit to be full of integrity. They want that pulpit to rightly divide the word of truth. They want that pulpit to hold the standard of heaven. When sickness and disease looms, a good congregation looks to that pulpit and says, tell us what the word says about sickness. A good congregation says, look, that wasn't right. I don't find that in the Bible. We need, we need a better congregation today than we do a pulpit. If we have a better congregation, we'll have better pulpits. If we have a better congregation, we won't see great men have moral failure. We'll stop seeing it as much. Because we'll hold the pulpit accountable. Let me ask you a question. If the pastor wants the pews powerful and the pews want the pulpit powerful, which is, which is more important? I would, I would, I would argue that, that the pews are more powerful than the pulpit. I would argue. I would argue that that if you get a bunch of hungry people together, if you get a bunch of God-seeking people together, they'll fix that. But one, one of that can't fix all of that. They just like the, the, like the expectation for, for one pulpit to fix all of the pews is unrealistic. So the goal must be then we, we want to grow. We want to grow. And so I want to challenge us, church. I want to challenge us in 2024. Here's the challenge. Live our lives by the precedence of the Bible. Come on, let's just try the Bible. We, we, tried, we tried philosophies. We tried Tony Robbins. We tried Oprah. Come on, we tried it. We tried books. We tried, we tried reading these things, and we tried what they wrote. And just, God, God told me about midway through the year, stop reading, stop, reading, stop reading books. Read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible. I said, God, but I love to read books. You know, they, 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 they inspire stuff. He's like, read my Bible. I don't want you in it. I don't want anybody else's revelation in your mind. Read my Bible. There's a generation today, there's a generation today that, that they, they've embraced this idea of deconstruction. They, they, they're deconstructing their theology. Listen to me. That's heretical. It's insulting to the early church. It's absolutely full of pride and arrogance, and it's, you're not a construction worker. Put your hammer down. Just, just do what the Bible says, and you won't have to reconstruct nothing. It'll be fine if we just do what the Bible says. So live our, live our lives by the precedence of this word. If the, if the word says to do it, let's do it. Live our lives by the precedence of what Jesus said.
live our lives by the precedence of the words in red in your Bible. Right? I, I mentioned these two separate because, so the Bible, now also look at the words of Jesus. Right? So live your life by what, the, those words in red, what Jesus said, that's what we're going to do. If Jesus said to do it, man, I'm going to do what Jesus said, right? Precedence of what Jesus said. And then, and then the last one, let's, as a church, try to live by the precedence of the early church. As much as possible, right? So let's go back to the book of Acts and say, all right, if they did it, why aren't we doing it? And whatever they did, we should start doing so if they, if they gave so they could meet the needs of their community, we should too. You know, the, what I found and had to repent, I'm having to repent of a lot of things, you know. Um, I had to repent of, like, promoting growth by asking people to come to church. I, learned, I, I just realized that's so insulting. It's insulting because I haven't earned the right to invite you here if I have not first had to have a relationship with you here. So if you've not been invited to my home, why am I arrogantly and pridefully and egotistically saying, come to my church so I can teach you how to think? But if you find an early church, the early church, they did both. So they met in their homes. Then they went to church together. So I'm not throwing rocks at the church. I, uh, Jesus clearly, clearly did not want anybody throwing rocks at his bride. That's why he stopped the crowd from throwing rocks at his bride. He said, you don't throw rocks at my church. So I'm not throwing rocks at the church. I'm just saying, let us return to the precedence of the early church. So if they, whatever they did, let us do. Amen. So with that, let us give today because that's what the precedence of the early church, that's the precedence of the Bible. That's the precedence of Jesus. He, was a, he gave. He gave. So as you, as you give, hold it up before the Lord and let's bless it. Um, <clears throat> Father, thank you for every gift and every giver in this house today. That as we sow this seed, uh, we sow it naturally. It goes into the earth, but it reaps an eternal reward. We thank you that you take natural seed, and from that natural seed we sow, we attach faith to it, which is supernatural. And it is that faith that causes kingdom to come near. Thank you that you increase and bring, bring blessing. Bring what um, the earth cannot manifest. Uh, joy, peace, strength, endurance, deliverance. Thank you, Lord, for that which only faith can manifest in the life of the believer as we give. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. And then I want to take this moment to just say um, how much I love my sister and my brother, I love you. And I repent. I repent for moments when I was a bad brother. And I repent for moments when I was a poor leader. I bless you with all my heart. I love you with all my heart.
So we bless them. We bless them and where the Lord is taking them today. We know, God, that you work all things out. You work all things for our good. We declare peace, wholeness, restoration. In the mighty name of Jesus. Take your Bible, go with me to Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 35. It says, Then it happened as he was coming near Jericho that a certain blind man sat by the road and he was begging. And hearing a multitude passing by, he asked what it meant. And they told him that Jesus of Nazareth was passing by. He cried out and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And those who went before him warned him that he should be quiet. But he cried out all the more. I pray that over you today. That you would cry out all the more that what we need most of all is to stop Jesus. If we could just apprehend Jesus and pray for faith to, to push past the criticisms of this world and arrest the heart of Jesus. Jesus stood still. He, he got Jesus to stop. And he commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What a question. What a question from Jesus to his church. What a question. I mean, it's a sifting question too. Don't overlook it. Don't, don't simplify it. It's a question that goes way deeper than just, hey, you're blind. What do you want? But it's like, hey, you're blind. What do you want? Hey, you don't know what you want? So, so, so spiritually, like, tap into the, what do you want? What do you want? And if Jesus were here today and he was to say, hey, come here. What do you want? What do you want? What would your answer be? And he said, uh, Lord, that I may receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. Receive your sight. Your faith has made you well. I want to talk to you today about vision. And it's not like, it's not like, you know, it's not like, hey, man, you know, get vision for your future. Write down your dreams and your goals and your, it's not that. It's not that. It's vision. Because vision, if, what, you, what you just, what you want to pull away from this story, as I just read it, is vision is faith that can make sight possible. If vision is faith 
that can get in the middle of this world and make anything possible. In the story, there was just one man blind here, but if you asked me, I would say this was the only guy that could see. This was the only guy who had faith to see what he needed and who he was, who it was that was available to give it to him. And this is the only guy. And oftentimes we are here in life, you know, where we're trying to get through sight that which only comes from vision. <laughs> we're reading the books. We're going to the classes. We're, we're, we're applying sight, but we're still blind because the only thing that can create vision in the believer's life is faith. Faith. Vision is to heaven what sight is to the world. Vision is here. Sight is here. And I, I've just declared in 2024... I'm going to live by faith and not by sight. Amen. I'm going to live by what I can't see rather than what I do see. The just shall live by faith. The just, the Bible says, you and I, once we gave our life to Christ, we live 2 Corinthians 4, 18 says, For we look at the things that are unseen, which are eternal. We do not look at the things which are seen, which are temporary. How do you look at something you cannot see? Faith. Faith unlocks vision. Vision then unlocks anything heaven has available for you. But without faith... Without it, you live by sight. You live by sight. Proverbs 29, let me see where it is. 29, 18 says, where, and this is the Amplified version. This is the, my wife's version. This is the ladies' version. <laughs> Amplified. They have, a, they have a bigger version of Amplified now. It's like Amplified Plus. Oh so a bunch of women got together and made this Bible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But not really. Y'all was, like, was like, how can we add more words to this? Like, 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 and all the men are like, can we get rid of some words? Hey, give me headlines. I'm like this to my wife. I'm like, I don't need all the other stuff. Just give me, what is it? Just tell me what it is. No, no, no. You need to know. I went to the store, and before that, I stopped at the gas station. But before that, I went to, you know, I'm like, just tell me what it is. I don't, headlines and bottom lines, that's all we need. That's, all of us guys should get together. We should just like, how do we edit the Bible to like two words? <laughs> We're not going to do that. We're not gonna. <laughs> Come to the Rated R Marriage Conference. We'll be dealing with that. Okay. Proverbs uh, in the Amplified Version. It's really good. It says, where there is no vision, people die. 
So that was a little bit of man, a little bit of woman in there, right? But it goes on. It says, where there's no vision, no revelation of God and his word, the people are unrestrained. Unrestrained people run headlong into death, hell, destruction. So then where vision is, just think about, think about that in your life. If you have vision, if you forget about what you see. I'm telling you, in 24, we've got to stop looking at it from this perspective. It, this perspective is destroying everything. It's destroying the lives of believers. It's, it's ruining relationships. It's destroying family. It's corrupting good because we're looking at it from this perspective. And it is absolutely wreaking hell. We've got we've to gotta stop looking at it. We're not, matter of fact, we're not even allowed to look at it. I'm going to show you that. For the believer, we don't get to look this way. This is where there's no vision, people perish. But watch. But where there is vision, people thrive. You, can, you know, if you get vision, if you get vision, you can walk through hell smiling. If you get vision, the doctor can say what he wants. The world can say what they want. They can, they, it doesn't matter what this world brings you because vision sees through this and it sees this. It sees it redeemed. It sees it restored. It sees you whole. It sees you, it sees you put back together. It sees the accusation shamed. It sees beyond sight. It sees Jesus of Nazareth, son of David. It sees beyond just some rabbi walking down the road. Vision will see Jesus, the son of David. So we got we to gotta stop looking at everything. I, I swear, I think we'd be better. If we just close their eyes. Unless we're driving, close your eyes. Some of most people are doing that anyway because they're on their phone. You know what I mean? We'd we be better. We'd be better people if we closed our eyes, closed our ears, and we just, we just got vision. So, my prayer for you, for all of us, for our children, is that they get vision. Because vision. Vision can manifest what sight will never manifest. Sight is of this world. What you see will depress you. <laughs> you turn on that, for the love of God, turn the TVs off. You'll, it'll, it'll, you know, fear lives here. Worry lives here. Anxiety lives here. Depression lives here. Addiction lives here. Sickness. This is the resident. Sight lives with all of those things. It lives here. Vision lives where sight ends. I'm going to give you a definition and then one thing and then I'll, I'll, I'll be done. And what I want you to what I want you to write down is is this 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 kind of declaration. It says, "I will not settle for sight 
when God has promised me vision. <laughs> like, I will stop seeing with my eyes and I will look only with my spirit. You know that vision is a promise? Vision is a promise. Joel said this. Peter saw it. It's here. I want you to know that vision's here. It's available. Because Joel said, Joel 2.28 says, In that day I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Everybody gets it. You don't qualify for it. Like unsaved, saved, left, right, blue, red, purple, pink, doesn't matter. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And when I pour out my spirit on all flesh, some things are going to happen. Your sons and your daughters are going to start saying heaven. They're going to start prophesying. They're going to begin to declare, not here, they're going to declare here. They're going to say this in the midst of this. They're going to say what this is, not what this is. They're going to look through this and see that. They're going to look through the accusation and see the, 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 the exaltation. They're going to look beyond the natural. He said, your sons and daughters, they're going to prophesy. Your sons and daughters are going to start talking different because they, they, they see different. They see different. Your son, don't Stop expecting sons and daughters to talk different if they don't see different. We have to teach them to see different. We have to, we, I, I don't, it doesn't matter what this world tells you. Our sons and daughters need Jesus. They don't need philosophy. They don't need a D-I-E or whatever. They, they don't need that. They need Jesus. Jesus, diversity, equity, inclusion. No, no. They need Jesus. You know, uh-huh. They don't need that. They don't need that. Jesus is what they need. School systems need Jesus. They need Jesus. And, and so we got to stop asking our sons and daughters to stop saying these things and, and, and get, get them in, in Jesus so they can start saying what Jesus says, what, what it is. He said, your sons and daughters are prophesying. He said, your old men and your young men, they're going to see visions. This is a promise. Now, you know what a dream is? A dream is a vision that quit. That's why they're old now, and he has to teach them to dream again. A dream is a vision that quit. That's a dream. And he said, he promised you. Chuck, he promised us. He said, I'm going to make the statesman dream again. I'm going to bring back to life the vision of heaven. I'm going to bring vision back to old men. Old men who are discouraged and downtrodden. Who, have, who, who suffered and, and struggled and, and, and just said, I quit. You know, 85, what was it? 80, how many? 85% of believers quit once they hit this certain point in their faith. They start, who bewitched you? You started well. That's, look at me. That is startling. That means the, the quit is greater than the encouragement. Oh, church, we, we gotta, we gotta encourage one another. Don't quit, 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 don't quit. I don't care what man did. I don't care what it looks like. Don't quit, don't quit, don't quit, don't quit. You got to get quit out of you. 
You got to get quit out of you. Too much quit in you, man. That obviously, there's too much quit in us. I had this friend, man. I had this friend. His name was Elijah. He's down in Florida doing his thing right now. But Elijah would, like, he trusted me. I don't know why. One time I had Elijah hanging over I-90 westbound. Hanging, hanging signs for my man Brad who, who needed a liver transplant. And the doctors were acting crazy. The hospital were acting crazy. So we did this big campaign, Save Brad. So I had, and, and in the middle of the night, like 3 in the morning, I got Elijah hanging over the side. Hanging right there, Elijah. I'm holding him by his belt. He's hung over I-90 westbound, hanging these signs. Mom, mom sent a, Mom sent us to go get something over at the house and they had moved out of, and it was this light she wanted. You know how she does, you know. She said, go get this light. It was up there. It was up in the, down in the, uh, the basement, you know, where the basement goes down, but the ceiling goes straight, and it was light up in there. I don't know how they put that light up there, but they put that light up there. And there was no ladder in the house. There was nothing in the house. And, and Elijah said, how are we going to get it, man? I, and we didn't have nothing. And, and we was in a hurry. We had somewhere to go. I don't know. We was probably going to play basketball or something. Yeah, that's right. I played basketball. <laughs> Not anymore. We, we used to play. You know what I'm saying? Now I play golf, you know? And, uh, and so, so I looked up there and I said, I don't know. And Elijah said, let's look through the house and see what we got. And we walked downstairs and we seen these, these two by sixes. They were about 12 feet long. And there was, there was a bunch of cans of empty paint cans. And I thought, rise versus run. You get me? Rise versus run. We could do this. We went down and we stacked those cans all the way up. And then we put them boards all the way out there. And, 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 and then Elijah went out there. And, and I held on to him like this in case he fell. I yanked him back. I don't know what the plan was there. But, but we got the light down without a ladder or anything. I, I share that with you to tell you that there's going to be circumstances in your life that are just going to, you know, you're going to seem like they're impossible. And they're going to tell you, you just need to quit. You just need to give up. You can't get it. It's just out there. You see it. You can look at it. It's that close, but you can't get it. But I'm telling you, there's something in the house. If you search the house, there's something in the house that makes Makes that and you got You can't have any more quit in you in 2024. You got to get rid of the quit. God provides. God has given us enough faith. God's given us a measure of faith that that makes all things possible. We just can't quit. Amen. Just can't quit. So so vision is a promise. Joel said it's a promise. Peter saw it and said, this is that which Joel said, it's here. And I want you to know it's here. It's available. Vision is available for you. No matter what you're going through, don't allow like sickness to tell you that it's not available because the promise is now. Vision can activate healing right now. Vision can, can put your family back together right now. But you got to have vision. You, you got to stop looking at it from this perspective. Yeah. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Hebrews 11.1 1 says, faith is. Now? Now. now it's, not, it's right now. It's right now. Faith is what? The substance of things that we hope for. The evidence of things we cannot see. You can't see it, but you're supposed to hope for it. There's evidence of it. Where is the evidence here? No, the evidence isn't here. The evidence is locked up in faith. It's locked up in vision. So, so faith activates vision that says, man, faith is the substance of things hoped for. I see what I can't see, and I, and I have evidence of it. I know it's there, and it gives me hope. So let me give you a definition of, of, of vision. And, and this is my definition. You're, you're free to make your own definition, but this one's mine. 
All right, you say, that's not the definition of Webster. I know it's Troy's. So here we go. This is a first-person illustration of faith that comes from a revelation experience of Jesus that creates transformation, change, and hope. This is the amplified version. Uh, and hope, <laughs> expectation in the life of the believer. Here's how you, here's, you got to define, I want you to define vision like this for your future because it's a first-person illustration. It's not a second-person. Most of us live our lives from a second-person perspective. Our faith lives are, are lived mostly from a second-person perspective. I, I, the other day, we were in midweek services, and there was this vision that I had from God. And, and the gentleman said, you're a bunch of revivalists, and, and I, don't, I don't understand why revival is not here. And I asked God, I, asked, I said, Jesus, why is revival not here? He said, I've given you revival a long time ago. I gave you the gift of revival a long time ago. You just haven't opened it. And in that moment, I saw the hands of Jesus come down and put a, put a present in my hand, and right there in the Spirit, like, well, I made my natural hands do what the Spirit would do, and I un- unwrapped the gift of, of revival, and I said, I want it, God. I want it. I want it. I want it. And that's a first-person revelation. That, that you, we have to have a first-person experience with Jesus. We have to stop settling for a second-person perspective. A second-person perspective is like, I see me over there riding the roller coaster. That's a second-person perspective. A second-person perspective is I see them leading worship, and, and I, see the, I see them. I, I'm observing it, but I'm not in it. A second-person perspective is songs that sing about Jesus. Want to know the difference between second-person and first-person? Start singing to Jesus and stop singing about Jesus. That's a first-person experience. When, that's doxology in theology. That's, that's suddenly now, now suddenly like I'm in, I'm in the experience with Jesus. And Jesus wants us to have. He wants your vision to be first-person. First person. So you don't see yourself over there getting the gift. You see the hands of Jesus right now giving the gift to you. A first person illustration of faith. It's faith. It's from this realm. It's not from this realm. It's not from this realm. So it's faith. And it comes from a revelation with Jesus, of Jesus. And I put experience there. Because too often... Too often when we gather, we get revelation, but not experience. And I want us to stop wasting a revelation without the person. Anytime Jesus comes in a room, he doesn't come in a room to give you goosebumps. If the presence of Jesus comes near, he wants, to, he wants you to experience it. He wants to have a first person experience with you. Not second person. It's first person. So it must be experience. Yeah. It, it, revelation will change if you start looking at it like that. Because here's how you know that, that you had an experience with Jesus. Because experiences with Jesus create What do they create? Transformation. And transformation, simplified, is change. (laughs) I know, I know. It's like, I don't know that I want, I don't know that I want vision now. Because vision, I'll tell you, I'll tell you if you have vision. You want to know how I know if people have vision rather than sight? Did you change? It was interesting. We were in our life group the other day, and, and Pastor Michelle was reading her notes from a year ago. 
And as she, two years ago, and as she read those notes, she said this. She was looking at them and she said, I am not these answers. What she meant was, old things have passed away. I have changed. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I am not these answers. And I want you to know, an experience with Jesus, a real experience with Jesus, like not just, like, not just pacifying the, the atmosphere, but a real experience with Jesus, it will mess you up. It will, it will make you say, you know, it will make you say sorry. It will change you. It will leave you walking with a limp for the rest of your life. It'll give you courage. It'll cause you to go deeper. It'll, it, it won't care who likes you or who approves of you. A real experience with Jesus 365 days from now, if you can't look back and say, man, I am not the same dude, then you, then you did not. You, maybe you had a revelation but your revelation didn't have an experience. So that's why Jesus wants your, his revelation, when he reveals himself to you, he wants it to become with an experience that changes you, that transforms you. And here's the last thing that it will do. It will give you how you'll know. How do you know it's vision? Because vision always gives hope. Vision always gives hope. Sight, sight's a hope sucker, man. Sight, oh, man. That's why you got to stop looking at the television and Twitter and Twitter and, and, and whatever it's called now, X-Man or whatever it is. You got to stop looking at that stuff because that stuff is a hope deferred makes the heart. It makes you sick. It'll give you, it, you got the disease of hopelessness. Why? Because we're looking with our eyes when we should be looking with our spirit. You got to stop looking at our kids with our eyes and start looking at them with our spirit. Our spirit. You got to look at it through the spirit. And that spirit, that's vision. I got to have vision. God, give me vision. That's what I want. Vision is to heaven what sight is to the earth. Vision is not what you see. It is what you know and experience. Vision is not what you see. It's not ambition. It's not goals. It's not resolutions for the new year. Vision is not what you see. It is what you know and you experience from this realm right here. And then lastly, I close with this. I'll close with, I, I know you have vision if, see what happens in vision is two realms, two realms intersect. The realm, see, there's a realm of the earth that meets the realm of heaven and somewhere, uh uh-oh. Vision. I know you have vision because what vision creates is a distorted reality. Yeah. Paul said, I don't know if it was the second heaven or the third, but I was caught away. It wasn't the earth. <laughs> Paul said, it wasn't down here. What I saw that day wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't here. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit. It wasn't here. I'm not sure where it was. I'm not sure how. I'm not sure where 
it, it was somewhere here, here. Second Corinthians 4, I'm going to read it for you. 18 says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but we look at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen, they're temporary. The things that are not seen, they're eternal. I'm going to go so far as to say this. If you are looking at any circumstance in your life with this perspective, it's sin for the believer. We, we, we're not allowed. Check it out. I can't see here anymore. And I think we need to really just swallow this. I can't see from this perspective anymore because the Bible tells me I no longer live. My sight died when I gave my life to Jesus. So I'm not even here. And if I, if I see here, I give in to the carnal nature of man that wants to see here. I give in to the temptation of the enemy that says, look at it from that perspective. I say, I surrender my, my autonomy to the enemy and say, I'm going to look at it from the natural. I'm going to be mad. I'm going to be offended. I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm, I'm going to look at it. And you align yourself with the enemy. So we, we're not here. But we're not all the way here either. You're not here. You're not here. I know some of us think we're here, but we're not. No, no. No, I'm seated with, my spirit is seated with Christ in heavenly places. But my soul is somewhere in the green. I'm somewhere in the green. Out of the blue, I'm not all the way yellow. I'm in the blend. That's how you know you have vision. Because your life is lived in the blend and I want to encourage you in 2024 to get out of the blue and get pale pale green you know what I mean get so high in Jesus that you start to lose your blue I'm trying to get rid of as much blue as I can and I want, I want to warn you, if, if you try Colossians 3, as I close, Colossians 3 says this. It says, set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth. He's saying, set your mind in the yellow. Set it. Like you have to set your mind. You have to calibrate your mind and you have to teach it. You will not. You will not think blue. I've already set it to yellow. It has to be a, a, a discipline that you practice that says, I take every thought, I take every blue thought captive to the obedience of the yellow that I might be as pale green as I possibly can and fall in. I know it's possible because Enoch did it. I know it's possible. Enoch said, I walked down here for a while, but I walked so close to yellow that God said, you ain't got no blue in you. Time for me to just bring you up all the way up here. 
And I want you to know, you know, I want you to know. This right here, this is where we're called to live. You don't have a choice. The just shall live by. <laughs> Without faith, it's impossible to. You, you, you're not allowed to walk blue. You and I are not allowed to see it the way they see it. We can't. We're not. We don't have the privilege. I just, I'm not allowed. I can't. I, I, my judgment comes from here. I can't compromise the judgment of here to appease here. I can't make, I can't say to you that, that this is okay when I know this is the standard. So to walk anywhere, to walk, there's a certain line where you, be, you live in this distorted reality where you lost yourself and now everything in your life is blurry when it comes to the world. Because you, you like, I, no, no, you know, like, and then they'll say something and you'll go, no, no, that's blue. And they'll say, but ain't it true? Like, I mean, maybe, but that's blue. You lose, there's like, you start to change, you start changing. You start changing. You're just like, you lose you. The higher you go, the less you can come. The less, the less right you can be. <laughs> you could be right, but you can't be green. You can be right, but you can't, you can't, you can't live there. If you want to be right, if it must be you, you can't live there. You come down here, look. Higher you go, more it'll cost you. It'll cost you, man. This is thing, like this is the thing, like I want you to know. Like, but but I want you to know it's worth it. It's worth it if we would just say, take me higher, Jesus. Get me out of here. Get my mind out of here. Take, take me to where my spirit does not lose. Make my reality the, the reality of heaven. And when I come, and here's how you know, when you come down to the reality of heaven, when you become pale green and green, when you get some green in you and some pale green in you, and you come down to this world and they start talking crazy, all right, damn man, check you later, man, I'm out of here. I can't, this is crazy down here. This is, this is, this don't make no sense down here. And it'll cost you too. Like you, like it'll cost you some, some relationships, you know. It's going to cost you. The, the paler green you become, the, I found that the higher you go, the, the less go with you. But the song is right, man. The song had it right. Don't none follow. Don't none come with me. Still, I got to get the yellow. For God's not giving me a spirit of fear. Fear lives down here. But God's giving me a spirit of power, love, sound. That's up here. Anytime fear comes to you, anytime you're afraid, 
That's blue pulling you. Blue has gravity. Blue has gravity. You want to know how I know? I've been trying to lose 20 pounds for two years. Now I look in the mirror. I'm like, gravity's working. Blue don't play. It's unapologetic. It's, it's, it's like blue, blue, blue wants you to be blue. And it pulls on you. Blue has a pull. It'll tempt you. It'll tempt your carnal nature. It'll tempt your, your desire, your, your, your carnal desire. It will tempt you and it will pull you. It has gravitational pull. It will pull you into itself. So when fear comes, it's just it's, fear is the presence of evil. It's the, it's the presence of evil. And fear is trying to compel you to live in the reality of the blue. It's trying to convince you that there is no way out. There can be no future for you. You should just succumb to the blue. You should just quit. The yellow. The yellow, man. Whew. The yellow is just... It lifts you. The yellow lifts you. Jesus is a lifter. He's a lifter to us. When fear comes, and man, and we just set our eyes on Jesus. He just pulls out of the miry clay he pulled me out of it well, stand your feet with me as we close <laughs> just so you gotta set your mind so just real quick here just like three things right to close set your mind set it set it on eternity Whatever you set, the degree to which you set your mind will determine the heights of which you, you rise from blue. That, that is what it was. So the greater the, greater the degree of setting, you can, I mean, I'll turn, that, I'll turn, my, turn it all the way up. Because the higher you turn it, the higher you'll rise. And you'll, and you'll be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. You know? You'll be like, ah, I didn't reach it. But you'll go farther than you could have ever imagined you could if you set it higher. So set your mind on things above, on eternity. Number two, seek a first-person experience. Never settle for a second-person experience with Jesus. Seek a vision. I want a vision. I want, it, I want a vision of Jesus speaking to me, talking to me, walking with me, holding me, encouraging me. I don't want to see myself over there and say, oh, that, that's a nice little story. No, no. I want to hear his words. You know, the, my most impactful moments with Jesus is when I hear him say my name to me personally. It'll change your, it'll change your life that way. And you have to develop this mentality. And I've had this for a long time. And it's this mentality of, like, I will not stop. You gotta, you gotta develop a mentality. And I call it my five-year mentality. It's a five-year mentality that says this. You come back in five years, I'll still be doing it. Most people won't do that. But I'm telling you, you come back in five years, Jack, 
I'm going to still be loving people. I'm going to still be forgiving my enemies. I'm going to still be living by faith. I'm gonna, and you gotta, you got to put that in your spirit. you got to say, in five years, I'm still, I'm not letting go of faith. In five years, I'm not going to quit. you got to put a five-year mentality on, you, on your mind and say, look, everyone else can fall away, but I'm five years from now, you come back, I'll tell you what, I'll still be doing what I'm doing today. you gotta, you got to say it. I, and matter of fact, I'll still be doing it, and I'll be doing it more anointed, with more favor, with more blessing. That's what you got to say over yourself. You got to tell yourself that because situations are going to come to you and they're going to try to convince you. Like, just walk away. Just quit. Just don't. Just, just give up. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you. Thank you that you cause us all to live in the green. We don't live, God, that I repent of living by sight and not by vision. I pray in 2024, greater vision over your people. That they live closer to heaven, closer to the crossover than they ever have. Holier than they ever have. Set apart more than they ever have. Intimate, more intimate than they ever have been. Cause them to live so much in the yellow. There's very little blue left. You're coming soon, Jesus. You're coming soon. You're here today and you've never called upon the name of the Lord. Christians are going to begin to pray. I ask you to pray with me. If that's you, you're here watching online. You're here. You say, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to repent. Pray this prayer with me, Lord Jesus. I repent. I surrender all my sin. And I receive all of your righteousness. I ask you to take my life now. Use it all for your glory. I surrender it to you willfully. In Jesus' name. Amen. Live right. Love everybody. Pray hard. Thank you for being a part of the service today. God bless you.